Great British Manufacturing Podcast, brought to you by MTD, MFG and Jefferson. Hello and welcome to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. On this week's podcast, we discuss the positive British manufacturing news from the last seven days and introduce this week's special guest, who is no other than Will Wilson, the CEO of Siemens Mobility. But before we talk to Will, I'd like to mention Factory Now. The Factory Now initiative has been launched to help the British manufacturing sector boost sales, collaborate and reassure. New members are joining all the time and new articles are being uploaded to the site every week. To view a member's profile's content, visit mtdmfg.com forward slash factory now. Stuart, welcome. We've got an action-packed podcast this week. Certainly have a three-day week, Joe, but we've got some huge stories and a fantastic guest, so really looking forward to it. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a bit of a theme this week as well, uh, we'll, we'll get to, but let's start, let's start with a big story. BMW investing in the UK. This, this story's gone well this week. Certainly has. The German automotive giant is opening a new multi-million pound steel pressing facility it's in, uh, at its Swindon plant. The press, uh, comprising six individual stations, which can produce up to 18 parts per minute, will make steel panels for the mini plant in Oxford at twice the rate of the, of the equipment it replaces. Steel banks and finished panels are handled by a new fleet of 18 automatic guided vehicles, a techno- technological first for BMW. And for pe- pe- people who don't know, the site currently produces for both BMW and Mini, and there's a long history with the first body shells leaving the site in 1955. Yeah, fantastic news. It's uh, I didn't see that one coming to be honest, but when when it when it was announced, it was very welcome news. Uh, this next one probably is a tad predictable, but still amazing news. Uh, British Vault let's build a new plant in the West Midlands. Great news. Certainly is expected to create more than 150 jobs. British Vault they've announced plans to build a new 200 million pound factory. Um, battery cell scale-up facility at Hams Hall. The firm is partnering with logistics real estate operator Pelagius to build the West Midlands R&D facility. And they describe this really um, as a move that will help power the country ahead of the next industrial revolution. The manufacturer, as we know, is currently building a new multi-billion pound gigafactory in Northumberland, which is one of the UK's largest ever industrial investments. Um, and that investment in, in the um, northeast is expected to create more than 3,000 direct jobs and thousands more across the supply chain. So I know we've covered British Vault a couple of times on the podcast, but if you keep in- investing and building new factories, we're going to cover you. Exactly. Uh, this next one, uh, a company by the name of Airbus. Uh, they're expanding its footprint here in the UK. Another biggie. No, it certainly is. A new zero emission development centre for hydrogen technologies is being established in Filton. Um, the f- facility will be focused on developing a um, cryogenic uh, fuel system that can boost, that can cost effectively be used in Airbus's zero E passenger aircraft, which is pl- their plan for entry into service by 2035. And as we know, this is the latest in a series of huge investments in the UK announced by the manufacturer. Airbus Helicopters is building a new £40 million headquarters at Oxford Airport. And as covered on previous podcasts, the um, the firm is also set to invest £100 million and create 500 jobs at its Broughton Wind manufacturing plant. Okay, Stuart, let's take a brief pause in this week's manufacturing news and introduce this week's special guest, who is Will Wilson, the CEO of Siemens Mobility. Will, thanks for joining us again. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. And uh, the business is doing incredibly well as well. Marvellous. So just to kick things off, the, the last podcast, we did some, what, 
12 months ago. It was really, really well received. But for the people that didn't listen to that, maybe you can talk to us a bit about your background and your current role and responsibilities at Siemens, please. Of course. Well, I'm William Wilson. I'm the CEO of Siemens Mobility for the UK. We're part of the wider Siemens Mobility, which is part of Siemens, uh, the international uh, company. We manufacture rolling stock and we do all sorts of solutions for infrastructure that can include signaling, it can include passenger management, it includes station management systems. And we have a turnkey operation where we will build railways and we'll do very large projects. And our latest um, offering is actually all about the customer and how we can assist in the, the whole question of, of ticketing and mobility as a service. So quite diversified. Indeed. And now, can you give us an overview of the business, Siemens Mobility, both here in the UK and indeed globally? Yeah, Siemens Mobility globally is about 14,000 employees and we're active in many, many countries. Um, we are either the number one or joint number one supplier for um, all sorts of rolling stock solutions from light rail through to high speed trains. And we also are the number one in the world for the supplying of signaling solutions. So this can. Um, be from our huge turnkey projects, such as the 8.1 billion euro project we've just signed in Egypt to build a whole new um, high-speed network uh, between the Red Sea and the Mediterranean, through to the renewal of signaling systems here in the UK, which are absolutely vital for, say, you know, getting from Leeds to Manchester on Transpennine and upgrading there. Hi, Will. It's Stuart. Thanks for joining us again. Um, big news last week. Um, the London's Elizabeth line uh, was officially open and I know Siemens had an integral part in the development of that. Would you mind just giving us an overview in terms of, uh, I believe that you're involved in the signaling, communication, control systems, etc. Yeah, I think that the reason that I'm in such a good mood today is at the Elizabeth line. <laughs> this has been, for me personally, a 20-year journey and it culminated last week when we opened it. It was superb to have the Queen there giving her blessing for the Elizabeth line. We've been involved in supplying the, uh, the safety critical elements of the control system in the tunnel area, the new bit of railway, and all the interfaces, which are safety critical as well, into the existing signaling system. We've done this um, between our factory and des design uh, facilities here in the UK, particularly in Chippenham, but also with our sister company in Braunschweig, where we have a global centre of excellence. But in Ashby de la Zouche, we also have a business that does uh, the SCADA and station management systems, which actually is making the passenger journey so much better. It means that we make sure that everything is working as it should be with all the power supplied and all the um, inputs and outputs of all the systems coming together through a really complex system that we've delivered on every new station on the Elizabeth line. It's been a project uh, that has involved over 2000 of our employees and it's been going on for the last 10 years. And I think everybody's really, really pleased that it has gone seamlessly into service. And the fact that there were one, over one million passengers that travelled on the, on the railway within five days is a testimony to actually, you know, what a brand new railway can look like here in London. No, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you can you can sense the emotion, uh, your personal emotion and involvement with, with that project. And um, just as an aside, you say so many, you know, almost 2,000 people have been involved in that. So once it opens, are they redeployed? Are they, you know, are you working on service and maintenance contracts, you know, with Crossrail and, you know, et cetera? Or, you know, how, how does that work? Well, we have a, a service contract um, over the coming years, but that only takes up a small proportion. The 2,000 people that touched um, that project 
our, those that have worked directly for us, but also our supply chain. On a project like that, over 90% of our supply chain is actually invested here in UK. And it goes from small and medium enterprises through to major trusted suppliers um, of both our hardware, because we manufacture all our own um, equipment, through those that write the data, and those, of course, that deploy it and put it in the ground. There's been a huge effort, particularly through the pandemic, to make sure that we tested every aspect of the system to make sure it was safe before any customer went near it. And um, it just is a really labor-intensive uh, exercise. Absolutely. And, uh, and one from one major project to, to another, um, if we can just talk about Ghoul. Um, as you know, MTD and Jefferson, we've been following this story for a long time. It's, it's always incredibly well received. Um, would you mind just giving us an update in terms of the development of the new factory and innovation center and the investment, the jobs, economic impact and so forth but for the region? Sure. So in Ghoul, in the East Riding of Yorkshire, we're building a new train assembly facility. Uh, we're spending just around £200 million and its first phase will open in the autumn of 2023. The primary um, purpose of this facility is to manufacture initially the new Piccadilly line trains to replace the 1973 stock, uh, which is still performing very well, but with new air-cooled state-of-the-art trains. But on top of that, we've taken the opportunity to build up, if you like, a rail village and centre of expertise in you know what was a slightly deprived part of the UK. And this has come about with really great help from the local enterprise partnerships, but also by us being able to redeploy some of our service business into that site as well. So what we see is the opening last week, actually, of a building called Raise, which is a building dedicated to small and medium enterprises that has been funded by the uh, local enterprise partnership, but on land that we donated. And this is a facility where you know new startups can actually co-locate with us, have shared facilities, restaurants, and so forth, and subsidise rents in order to get a foothold into the transportation market. We're hoping very much that Birmingham University will find a way to raise the necessary funds to also co-locate with us on the same site um, and have a, a data analysis um, facility there as part of their their faculty of rail. But most recently, we've announced that we're going to relocate and expand by a factor of three our gearbox and um, drive overhaul facility, which was a little bit space constrained in its current um, home in Leeds. And this will create um, even more jobs in the local environment. I was talking with the local MP the other day, and he was telling me actually about the economic revival that investment like ours has brought to the town of Goul and to the East Riding of Yorkshire. Traditionally, it was an area where you've got a lot of distribution, warehousing, and relatively low intellect jobs. But by us locating with our brand, they've triggered building 900 new homes, new ho the first new homes built since the 1950s, uh, or the, the first major development of new homes since the 1950s. Uh, but coupled with that, they're seeing a, a really large amount of interest and in other uh, blue chip companies moving in and they're really pleased that the job situation has totally reversed from where it was sort of perhaps five or six years ago. So a real success story coming and I look forward to us actually delivering our first train out of there along with all of the um, repair businesses that we will be putting in there as well. Superb and in terms of time frame on that Will, when do you expect the first train to, to, to leave that uh, manufacturing plant? <laughs> That's a telling question. We expect first train to be in 2024. Um, the 
the service facilities will open as soon as um, spring next year for the gearbox overhaul center. Um, but obviously, assembling trains the first time ever, it will be a, a long lead time and our first train, we'll want to get it right first time. So um, it won't come out um, until probably six or seven months after it's arrived in its component parts. No, perfectly understandable. And uh, final question for me, a bit of a broader question. The podcast and industry has obviously been dominated by supply chain issues and the situation in Ukraine and rising energy costs. Um, how is that impacting your business and how you're managing it, Will? Well, I won't say it's easy. Um, the Ukraine war, coupled with the sanctions in Russia, is just another compounding factor on top of a really difficult global supply chain that we saw. Um, you know, electrical components coming from uh, Asia, coupled with the price of some raw materials, was already difficult before the war started. The way we're tackling it is working really closely with our supply chain, um, looking right the way down what alternatives can be done, what we can do to mitigate any potential delays, and having a really close dialogue. Coupled with that, we're working with our customer base, Network Rail, for instance, where we are a major supplier for the renewal of their infrastructure, we're looking and trying to get forward um, information of what's going to be required up to 18 months or two years out so that we can actually forward order um, the components needed for that. What you find, particularly with some of our safety critical railway signaling systems, is that we don't have a huge demand for some of the electrical components, but they are very specialized and there are not many, um, many alternatives around. So it's really key that we get this right. And to date, I'm very pleased to say that here in the UK, across uh, the three factories that I, I have in my portfolio, we've not had any delays, but we are continually looking forward to try and mitigate that. And on a global basis, we are starting to feel a bit of strain this quarter in particular, as the supply chain in certain areas is sort of not as robust as it could be. It's an emerging thing that we'll see. The whole question of inflation as well, on top of that, we work carefully with our customers to understand exactly, you know, where we have an opportunity to recover any price rises. Um, we're seeing salary inflation as well as the cost of power in particular, as well as raw, uh, raw materials. So, you know, overall, it's not the best picture. I honestly personally believe it is relatively short term and that we will over the next 18 to 24 months see a, a reduction in the inflation rates and um, an, a, a reduction in the inflation rates and also we'll see that the supply chain starts to open up a bit more but it's getting through this storm as it stands at the moment. Yeah indeed sounds like you've, uh, you're making a good job of quite difficult challenging circumstances but um, Stuart, we, Stuart made a good point every time we talk about Siemens mobility on social media it, it seems to um, yeah, it seems to blow up. Lots of people engaging with the content. So I'm just interested to learn what projects, if any, Siemens are currently working on, anything you can tell us about that we're going to obviously spread to our community over time. Gosh, there's so much going on at the moment. If I start off as rolling stock, we're developing a whole new train platform that we'll be built in Google, which we've called Verve. And this is a 23-meter car, 100 miles an hour, commuted rail, which we're hoping will be successful um, in supplying into uh, Transport Scotland with uh, the bid coming out later on this year. But then if I look at the infrastructure side, we've got a huge project emerging called East Coast Digital Signaling. And this is the upgrading to new digital signaling where you don't actually have any controls 
um, visible on the, the side of the railway because it's all cab-based signalling between London and Peterborough. And at the moment, this has been um, a huge sort of project where we've been actually proving the concept, one that we did actually start proving uh, on the Thameslink project. And we've now actually got to a stage where we've commissioned the first area and we're moving up outside of London. So really exciting. And we see other flagship infrastructure projects such as TransPennine upgrade. And on the back of that, we're really hoping that the government will decide to really release electrification because we have some very innovative um, areas of innovation. The final area I'll talk about is, is what we do in what we call our software business. And this is all about um, onboard customer base um, systems. In the ultimate form, you could call it mobility as a service where you can buy one ticket from your front door, the first mile, right the way through all multimodal public transport, so the bus, taxi, onto a train, onto light rail, even if, you know, by a river in some cities, and then to your ultimate thing, ultimate destination, um, knowing that you have uh, taken the most effective route we've, with the least amount of um, overcrowding and actually showing that you've created the least amount of carbon as well. But this can be subdivided down into ticketing systems. It can be subdivided into um, seat allocation systems and a whole host, a host of other things that are, are coming to market at the moment. So across the board, anything to do with rail, infrastructure, rolling stock, and all the maintenance that goes with it, we're pushing the boundaries and it's incredibly busy at the moment. Yeah, wow. Sounds it sounds a software solution in particular. That sounds uh, sounds quite exciting. That leads nicely on to my next question, really. Where where, where do you personally and Siemens uh, see the future of rail and the transportation industry here in the UK? Where's it going? Well, we have to think about the government's objective for sustainability and particularly for decarbonisation. And rail has to be a major player in that solution. So I see a real real future for rail as we move forwards. I see that you know we will be upgrading the actual infrastructure so you get more trains over the same piece of track much closer together. I see that we'll be supplying more digitally enabled trains so that the cost of ownership comes down and so that the availability and the reliability is as you would expect to be so you know we don't see the failures or the slips in timetable that we see today. But most importantly in the, the area that I get quite excited about is actually thinking about the passenger. What is you know what is it going to take to actually get them onto a train rather than in their car? And it's got to be about actually the, the customer experience. It's got to be about seamlessly getting through that station, knowing where to stand on that platform so that the train comes seamlessly in and you know you've got your guaranteed um, seat. And then, of course, you could talk about infotainment. You know, why, do, why can you play a game on an aeroplane and not play a game um, on the back of a seat on a train and all sorts of things like this? But most of all, it's actually about making it value for money and making it really interesting for people to use rail. So I see, you know, a huge growth in rail over the coming decade, at least. Well, I couldn't agree more. Obviously, that I don't think the country is going to get any bigger, <laughs> and, and I don't think the population is going to get any less. So yeah, no, I would agree with that. Rail will hold a, a key part of our transportation system going forward. But just moving on to my final point, final question: uh, What are the aspirations of the business for this year and beyond? You know, what are the short-term and long-term goals? Well, this year it's all about delivery. Um, you know. Getting Elizabeth Liner over the, you know, its first commissioning, we've got further works to do. And, you know, from October onwards, you'll be able to go seamlessly from Reading right the way through Paddington all the way to Shenfield, which will be the, the ultimate state of Elizabeth Line. But East Coast Main Line, as I talked about, along with TransPennine, 
and a host of other infrastructure projects are all coming into a critical period um, as it stands at the moment. And this is all about you know, getting the systems designed, getting them in the ground, and most importantly, getting them tested and proved that they're safe. We have the launch of our Verpa platform, uh, the 23 meter, 100 mile an hour, which is absolutely critical to our success moving forwards. And we're also actually pushing forward with many, many digital solutions for trains and also for the maintenance of trains um, in the course of this year, which is reducing the cost of ownership and actually keeping some older trains in service because um, you can take up to 20% of the cost of running it out by actually monitoring certain parts of, of the way that that train operates. So it's a demanding year with the political or geopolitical situation that we have with the war and the sanctions and the supply chain. But also here in the UK, there is a really good, strong market um, and we're very well positioned for that. And of course, as I look forwards, we have the advent of what is the, you know, the, the restructuring of rail with the Great British Railway, which will be live from autumn next year, where the infrastructure and the train operation all come together under one body. And that undoubtedly will give us more opportunities in the short term as well. Great. What a way to end. Thank you so much, uh, Will, for joining us. It's been, uh, it's been great to have you back on. My pleasure. Thank you. Stu, great to have Will back on. So much good news coming out of that business almost by the week. It certainly is. I was just going to say the same thing. It, it, you could interview Will every week and get something, something extra from, from them. It, the, the scale of the business and the projects they're involved in are fascinating. So, yeah, very much looking forward to Will's third appearance uh, sometime next year. Indeed. Um, just before we start, there's obviously lots of uh, lots of news in the, in the public domain. We don't get chance to cover it in this podcast each and every week. But if you want to know all the latest news, please go to the website mtdmfg.com and we publish it all there. But new, moving swiftly on, uh, good news for British supercar manufacturer BAC. I've seen this one myself and I, I quite fancy it. it yeah, unfortunately, it's a podcast again. We, we can't show an image, but um, the I know... This was on the your Swarov Guru Twitter account and performed particularly well. And so, yeah, Briggs Automotive Company, BAC, they've started production of the new Mono R, which is a higher performance, more advanced and lighter class of that Mono supercar. The family-owned firm, they've recently created new jobs, they're expanding capacity at the Liverpool factory, they've opened a new innovation centre, and all that investment and expansion is to meet soaring global demand. So, yeah, it's not just the, the British that like the, the Mono. It's been incredibly well received across the world. Indeed. And, and another company we tend to feature, yeah, quite a lot on the podcast, Wrightbus, have secured a major export order. Yeah, the Northern Ireland-based uh, manufacturer, they've signed a deal with German operator RVK to supply up to 60 kite hydroliner single-deck buses over the next couple of years. The buses will be the first integral left-hand drive vehicles that Wrightbus have made and exported since Joe Bamford um, of JCB fame bought the firm out of administration in 2019. Great news is all the buses will be built at the right bus factory in Ballymena. And, you know, in the last six months, um, they've announced plans to recruit and take on, well, you know, well in excess of 300 people as well. So great to see right bus back where, where they should be. Yeah. And this next company, it's a company I do know, but I'm not sure we've covered them on the podcast. AB Dynamics have opened a new facility. Yeah, first time on the podcast, the automotive test system manufacturer, they've officially opened a new £10 million engineering design centre in the UK. The centre in Wiltshire will develop a new version of AB Dynamics driving simulator um, for vehicle manufacturers, tier one suppliers and Formula One teams. 
It's all also being used to develop market-leading vehicle test equipment, which is used by more than 25 of the biggest vehicle manufacturers in the world. So um, we've not had the official press release, but I'm sure it'll be on the MTDMSG site in, in the next couple of days. So please, please visit the site for more information. Yeah. And each week we tend to cover aerospace, even through the pandemic, when it obviously planes weren't in the air that often. It seemed to be every week there was still a little bit of good news about the aerospace sector. But obviously we've featured at Airbus today. We Most weeks we feature uh, a, a large story, large investment. And uh, it, it appears there's recovery in the aerospace sector. It's set to continue, isn't it? Certainly is. Um, global aircraft orders for April have uh, seen a continuation of the strong order books, as you refer to, Joe, seen really from the beginning of this year. Um, as market demand and confidence recovers, 138 single island six uh, wide body aircraft were ordered, the highest um, April for orders uh, since, since the since the pandemic. Um, and this is the, the, these figures are from UK Trade Station ADS. Um, just to put it into context, the backlog of, all, of aircraft um, remains above 13,000 for the fifth consecutive month, um, and this represents several years worth of work um, worth around 100. 90 billion pound to the UK aerospace industry so yeah very good news and I'm, I'm sure this will continue throughout this year yeah what a week obviously the, the store is broke today we don't get a chance to cover like I say go to mtdmfg.com if you want to find out what they are but yeah what a great podcast um Stuart big thank you as always Will Wilson the CEO of Siemens Mobility always great to have you on Will please do come back but as always the biggest thank you goes to you guys at home for listening we'll see you next week and leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter using at MTDMFG and at Jefferson underscore MFG.